0: Thank you for joining the Home Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at myhomechurch.org. Cheers with me. I know there's many in this, in this place that have lived in this community. I know you sense the stirring that there's something happening here. God is, God is faithful to his word, but we must be faithful to bear, bear the labor pains of what he is birthing inside of us. I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. We're going to look at this account of Mary. Again, birthing the promises of God. And let me just share this, and then we're going we're going to break this open a little bit. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary's response is this. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Listen, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Verse 36, even Elizabeth, your relative, who was her cousin, pregnant with John the Baptist, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Listen to this. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. And Mary said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. There are a lot of different ways that we can approach the Christmas story. But what what God really was speaking to me is the Christmas story, in one way we can look at it, is it's the birthing of a promise. It's the birthing of a promise. And one of the most incredible things is that God in his goodness and God in his infinite wisdom that is above ours, for whatever reason, chooses to use man. He loves to co-labor and co-partner with man to invade into this world. And God could have had the sun come in any way, but he chose to do it through a human. The point I want to make is that God, since the beginning and still to this day, this Christmas story still continues, God is in the business of releasing and birthing promises that will ultimately release hope and radical freedom to the world. There is promises that God is releasing and speaking over your life individually and then also as a body corporately. That God is, is asking if we would if we would receive the promise, if we would go through the labor process. God wants to birth something so miraculous in this place that will ultimately produce such hope. Something that we could never do in our own strength. And I know in my heart, I know in my heart that many of you have received promises. But again, I, I wanted to speak to the body especially. I, I, there are so many things God has spoken over us. Things that we're starting to see things that we have not yet to see, things that seem just too big. But I know that God wants to do something in here that is going to ripple through this community, through this island, and I believe even beyond that. I believe that. I know he spoke to me. I know people who have been in this community who have felt the same thing and they feel the stirring that there's something happening, there's something taking place where God is beginning to move in that direction. We shared a few weeks ago in Ephesians 3.20, which says now to him, meaning Christ or God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or imagine you think of the weight of that Christ is able to do more than we can even pray into what God wants to do in our life what God wants to do in this body it's bigger than what we can even pray into it's so beyond what we can even imagine he wants to take us so far beyond what we could ever reach in our natural but it says this But according to the power that is at work within us, to the degree that we allow the Holy Spirit to possess us and give him complete control over our life is the same degree of which he will go beyond our reach. The more we go low, the more we give up control over our life, the more we submit and surrender and submerge ourselves in him and in his presence. God says, I'm going to do something that is so far beyond what your natural resources could ever, ever do. And I know in my heart that's what he wants to do here in this church. And I I just felt a stirring. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I just know the Lord is just saying to say yes, to yield to this call, to say yes, to press into the promise. No matter what the cost is, no matter where he leads us, to press into that. And especially in your own life, too. I believe God wants to confirm personal promises he's given you as well. But here's the reality is if we're going to take hold of the promise, we have to be willing to lose control of our life. You know... I don't know about you, I'd love a word from, from, uh, from God like Mary received. That's a great word, isn't that? Right? The favor of God. He, he says, you are highly favored. What kind of favor is this? You know, sometimes favor is not just found in cash and promotions. She said, the favor of God, the favor of God is upon you, Mary. You are highly favored. But ultimately, if Mary was going to receive this promise, her life was about to be wrecked. In a beautiful way for the glory of God, but her life was about to be wrecked. I mean, can you just think about this for a moment, the cost of Mary to receive this promise, to say yes to it? Can you imagine, what what did she say to her family? What did she say to her parents? An angel has visited me, and I want you to know that I'm pregnant. And I'm not just pregnant, even though I'm a virgin. I'm also pregnant with the Son of God. (laughs) Can you imagine how that would have been perceived? Can you imagine when she sits down with her fiancé, Joseph, and says, hey, this is what God is birthing inside of me? It's not your child. I promise you it's from the Lord. I mean, what what would Joseph have said? Actually, Joseph, it says, in being a righteous man in Matthew's gospel, he was sending her away. He was divorcing her. But he was doing it for right motives because, you know why? According to the Jewish law, adultery, you'd be stoned to death. Do you understand? For Mary to receive this promise, everything was, was put on the line. She had to be willing to give up reputation. She had to be willing to give up status, security even possibly her very own fiance, and she said yes to that call. She yielded into that. And because of that, God began to birth something inside of her that would ultimately change the history. And I know in my heart that God is still doing that today if we would have the same response as Mary and yield into what what he asks us to do. I imagine that Mary probably didn't want to share what God had birthed in her because she knew that many would not understand. But at some point, the promise that God had spoken in would begin to show. At some point, Mary would have to give an account of what God was doing in her. And I know that when that time came, I'm sure that she was criticized. I'm sure that she received accusations. I'm sure that she received many looks. I'm sure that no one actually believed her. Many never came to believe in who Jesus is. So for the rest of her life, there was a stain on who on who she is. Mary, Mary when her, her promise began to show, she would ultimately have to give an account on this. Do you know this? Listen to me. People don't understand why someone could have a six figure salary and give it away to go work for comparatively crumbs to feed people that are, could never give them anything in return. They won't understand that. They won't understand how you can go to a third world country and preach the gospel and have your life on the line. They won't understand that. Some people will not understand the destiny that you are carrying. I believe it in my heart it's what God spoke over our body. Some people not understand the destiny that even this body is carrying. And it's going to look different. And it's going to require us to do things differently. And as a result, people may say, man, what is happening here? I don't know about this. But are we willing to walk through that and persevere through that? Look at Mary's response in verse 38. She says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. I love that. Mary essentially says, she doesn't doesn't say, I understand how this will all work out, God, the things you're speaking in my life. I don't understand how it's all going to work out, but one thing I do know is I commit myself to your word. Let your word be done in my life. I am your servant. Anyone who's ever seen a woman or if a woman has especially been through pregnancy, you understand the toll that pregnancy takes on a person. There's an extra weight. There is an extra weight that happens when a woman begins to carry a child. A woman's body becomes stretched in that process. There is a level of inconvenience that begins to take place. There is a level of discomfort that begins to take place as you begin to bear this child. And so it is with Mary. She had to, every day, bear the looks, the whispers, the accusations of what it is God was birthing. Mary was bearing the reproach for bearing the promise that God had birthed inside of her. And here's what the Lord shared with me that I believe is is so important. When people have an actual abortion, a lot of times the reason for that is because as the couple, whoever it is, comes together, they say that the inconvenience of the sacrifice is too great. The inconvenience of the sacrifice of the child is too much, whether it's during the pregnancy or afterwards. This is too much for me. And what I believe the Lord was speaking to me is that so often we can do the very same thing spiritually. We can come into a place of which we, in worship, we say, yes, God, I want this promise. But then we begin to walk through the actual labor pains. Then we begin to actually bear the reproach of what it is God is birthing inside of us. And as a result, we cry out, I don't want this anymore. It's spiritual abortion to the promises God is putting inside of us. And many of us have cried out, as I have. And man, my heart was break as I have cried out, God, give my destiny to someone else. It's too much for me. But I want to just awaken you and encourage you that, man, God wants you to walk in that. Walk in that, what he is birthing inside of you. People may not understand it. I believe we're filled with people who God wants to do radical things with. Because I know that we are a body that has a lot of broken people, and I'm at the top of that. But I know that God wants to birth supernatural things through this. And so he asked us, are we willing to do that? Are we willing to say yes? Mary's response was a simple yielding into God. I love that. There's nothing, there's nothing significant about Mary. In fact, if you think so, I think we missed this point. Mary's a 15, 16-year-old Jewish girl. There's nothing significant about her life that God would choose her. The only thing I do know is that she yielded and said yes to God's call and promise over her life. Do you understand? I believe that's all that God's looking for. That's why I get so excited over this body. Because anyone else could say, well, we lack resource. We like this. We like that. But do you understand what all God needs? He's just looking for hearts that say yes. They just yield in him. You understand there's nothing that we can birth in the supernatural. The only thing that we can do is die and submerge ourselves in him, and he will do it. It doesn't matter about what resources we have. It doesn't matter where we start. It doesn't matter any of those things. God simply says, can I find a person, can I find a church that will ultimately say yes to my call? And if he can find a people that will yield into that call, God will do the miraculous there. And you may say, whatever God's speaking over you personally, it's just too big. But again, who is Mary? (laughs) Mary was no one. Mary had the same response. When the Lord came and began to speak this promise, or the angel spoke this promise over her, her response is basically, in the natural means, there's no way this is possible. I'm a virgin. There's no way. I do not possess what it takes for me to go where you're promising to take me. That's the whole point. In fact, if we're following after a promise that we can do in ourselves, it's not the promise of God. God. God births supernatural promises. It's there where he gets glory. It's there where God will call us to places where only his presence can sustain us. That's the only place. That's what he's teaching me. And I wrestle with that because I want to be able to do it in my own strength. But he will take us where only his presence can sustain us. He'll take us to places where only when we are so dependent on him will the very thing he's promised come to fruition. If we want to wrestle and do it our own way, there may be some limited fruit, but there is something so much more that is available for us if, if we would lay down our lives and say, and say yes to him. There's nowhere in Jewish scripture that ever said there was a miracle like this before. Mary had nowhere to go back and say, well, he's done it. He did it then. and he's going to do it again. There's nothing like that for Mary. She just had to say, yes, Lord. I don't understand it. I don't see how it will come to pass, but I'm going to trust you and believe this over my life. And again, if you say, man, God has promised me things, God has spoken things into my life that I just, I don't see how it could ever happen. I want you to know something. The word of God is living. It's what it says. It's active and it's living. you understand that? That means when he speaks a word over you, the word itself possesses life. The very word that God speaks over you possesses the power to accomplish the thing that it's asked you to do. It has nothing to do with us. See, when God, when, when, when Jesus told his disciples to heal, was he telling them, you guys go heal? No, no, no. He spoke a word over them that was alive, that if they would receive it by faith, that very word would produce what he asked them to do. What is God breathing over you? What is he speaking over you? It's, if it's not bigger than what you can handle, if it doesn't first say, man, how can this happen? It's not God. And I want to call you then, if you don't know the promise, to, to, to seek him, to seek him. He wants to, He wants to birth something inside of you. It wants to birth something inside of you. One of my my heroes of the faith as of late is Heidi Baker. Uh, How many of you guys know about Heidi Baker? A lot of people know about Heidi Baker. I want to share a little bit about her testimony for a moment. God had me really lean into her this week. And Heidi Baker, uh, for those of you who don't know, she has a ministry called Iris Globals. I'm going to get into where she's at right now, but she's in Mozambique, Africa primarily. She also has uh, ministry in Africa, uh, in Asia and England as well. But uh, her story is so fitting for, for what we're talking about today. And I believe it will deeply encourage you. When she was 16, she had a, a radical encounter with God. Uh, it was here where she gave her life over to Jesus. None of her family was saved. And so when she began to tell her friends uh, as uh, what happened to her, ultimately her friends left her. Her parents actually said they wanted nothing to do with her anymore. And so actually, it wasn't until late in her ministry where she was reconciled to her parents, and I'll share that with you. But, but they didn't want anything to do with her. When she was 18, she was attending this meeting at Southern Cal College, which is now Vanguard University. And she said if it wasn't for the fact that she had to host the speaker, she would have left. Because as the speaker was uh, communicating his message, uh, she said she, he was just saying things that were too unbelievable for her to even believe. She said there's, there's just no way. And she said, as, as he was speaking, she had to sit in the front row and she couldn't leave because she's hosting him. And she, so she just had to listen. And she said, the speaker just said twice that God was giving him a city. And she said, what arrogance. How, how could this be? How could God give him a city? And she said in the middle of that at 18 years old, at 18 years old, she said, as it was happening, she had an open vision in the middle of this. And she said, as this man is preaching, she saw two angels and then she saw Jesus behind him. And Jesus said, what this man is saying is true. Listen to him. And so, in the middle of this place, she's getting absolutely rocked. All of a sudden, she felt this stirring for not just a city, but for a nation. And she began to wrestle with it. Everyone went on to class, but Heidi crawled into a back prayer room, and she said, for the for the rest of the day, she just cried out to God from the depths of her heart. And she said, God started stirring something about a nation. So, in a long story short, she actually winds up going to Mozambique with her husband, Rollin, who she would uh, who she would marry. They left with. Uh, a one-way ticket to Africa and $30 to their name, and that's why many of her family said, you're crazy, you've lost your mind, but she wasn't understanding how this would happen. 20 years later, 20 years later from when she had that encounter when she was 18 years old, she, things started to turn really sour where she was, um, They were, uh, they lost their property. The government officials had come in in Africa. All they had was two little churches, she said. Two little churches. One of them, they met in terrible places. One actually met in a dump. So 20 years, she's in Africa. She knows the stirring she's had when she was little, but all they have is two little churches, and one meets in a dump, and they have this little uh, shelter for kids. And government officials come in and actually take everything. Literally, they're just homeless. They have nothing to their name there. Well, she had felt a stirring that God was sending her to uh, Canada because there was, There was a revival taking place in Toronto, Canada. It was Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, which has now catch the fire. And she felt like she needed to go there. But here's where it gets even more interesting, is that she had a a church that was sponsoring her. And they said, we will give you a million dollars to give you the children's home to help you out right now. But under one circumstance, you cannot attend this conference. You can't go to Toronto, and we don't want you to go to Pensacola where we hear other revivals, because we don't agree with what's happening there. We don't understand the manifestations of the Spirit and what's taking place. You cannot go there. And she said she knew that the Lord was calling there, and she said, I I don't care. She calls that conference the million-dollar conference because when she went into those doors, she literally gave up a million dollars as she walked through there. And so her and her husband are there, and they're sitting in this conference not knowing what's going on. Their kids back home are homeless, but she knows this is where God is leading her. And in the middle of that, Randy Clark is preaching. And she says there's thousands of people, and Randy Clark is preaching, and he begins to preach on the anointing, and he's preaching on power, and he's preaching on destiny, and how God wants to release these things over every person's life in that room. And as she's there, and as she's hearing this, she says there's this deep stirring inside of her that's uncontrollable. She's literally just, the Holy Spirit is just overshadowing here in that conference. So much so that she says in the middle of Randy Clark speaking, she gets up and runs to the front in front of thousands of people. She says, what the heck am I doing up here in hindsight? She said, in my natural, I would have never have done that, but something said to go to the front. And as she went to the front in front of thousands, she began to cry out. And Randy Clark, not knowing any of her background, said the Lord, stopped his preaching, went up to her and said, the Lord is saying, do you want the nation of Mozambique? 20 years after God had birthed some, him, he says, do you want the nation of Mozambique? And she cried out with everything, yes, I want it. Then he laid his hands on her and he said this. He said, the blind will see, he said, the deaf will hear, the crippled will walk, and the poor will hear the good news. And when he said that, the power of God hit her in such a miraculous way that literally, literally for seven days, she was, she couldn't move. They actually were carrying her back and forth to her hotel room. She said, many people in this time made fun of her. Still to this day, many people said it's just emotionalism. Many people said it was just It's just fake, and they they, they ridicule her. Still to this day, she said, but they have no idea what was happening inside of me. She said, it felt like I was dying. And she said, I felt like the Lord was saying that's exactly right. And so God wrecked her at this place. She winds up going back to Mozambique, and for the next year, things got worse. (laughs) Things got worse. Her family was severely ill, and she got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Not only that, they were still living in tents. They said they had to shoe away the rats that were coming to actually eat on the kids' feet. She said, what is happening here, Lord? But, and she wasn't seeing any of the miracles take place yet, but she kept praying into it. One year after that conference, she went up to a woman, and she laid hands on her. And the woman had just white eyes, couldn't see. And she said she saw the brown form. She saw the iris. That's why her ministry is called Iris. She saw the iris form. And from that moment, everything God had promised since she was a little girl, everything just began to move. These, they see everything that was prophesied, they see take place. Go look. It's absolutely miraculous. Do you know today, when they started with two churches after that, you know what they have today? Over 10,000 churches in Mozambique. The two most unreached regions. The two most unreached regions in the South, Southeast Africa. There was two tribes, Makua and something else. You can't even get into there. Heidi Baker has hundreds of churches located in that region. God has literally given her Mozambique, the very thing that when she was a little girl, God had spoken over her because she clung to the promise and would not give up on that. God birthed the very thing that he said he would do. I want you to know that I just sense the same thing. It's going to look different, but God is birthing something in here, corporally but also personally in each and every one of our lives. And do you know that Heidi, in, in her parents' old age, she got to lead them both to the Lord, in fact, one at 72, her father became an ordained minister. And her mother actually moved with her for a season to Mozambique to teach the children English. God restored all things. But she was willing to bear, bear the birth pains of that. Years and years. Now, I don't know how it looked in our life, and I don't know what it look like for your life personally, but I just sense God saying, are we willing to bear those labor pains? What is God breathing over you? What does he want to do through you? When I think about how could this ever happen, it's a, it's a need for intimacy. I want to just read verse 30, 35 to you again. When Mary asked, how will this happen? How will the impossible happen in my life? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The only way for the supernatural to be birthed in us is for us to be submerged and immersed in him. Literally, it's for the Holy Spirit to overshadow is for one to come under. The language is so intense; it speaks to literally a possession of someone. It means for you to lose control over your life, in order that the spirit would have complete control over you. And the picture that the Lord was bringing me to: How many of you are familiar with the book of Ezekiel? How do you've read it? It's in the Old Testament. He's an Old Testament prophet. Ezekiel is one of the prophets when the Israelites, or really Judah, was in captivity in Babylon. And God brought me to a scripture in Isaiah, uh, Ezekiel 47, in which either it's the, an angel or the Lord himself, pre-incarnate Christ, there's a vision that Ezekiel has of a new temple. It's a sign of inc- incredible restoration and hope to his people. It's a sign of just how God is just going to produce incredible life. And Ezekiel has this vision in which this, this angel of the Lord uh, shows him a temple in which there's water that's coming out of the temple. And I want you to hear this because this is so important as to how we how we see the things of God birth in our life. It says that the water begins by trickling out of the temple. And then as the angel takes Ezekiel downward, as the angel takes Ezekiel downward, it says as they go, every thousand cubits, which is about a quarter of a mile, they would measure off. And first it was ankle deep, then it was knee deep, then it was waist deep, and then finally they got to a place in which there was a river that was gushing. And Ezekiel said, I can't cross into this. He says, because it's, it's too deep, I can't swim. And he said, and the tide is too strong. That's basically what he's saying. I can't move into this. He's basically, he's basically claiming, if I go into this place, I will die. But amazingly, in that place where the river is flowing is where there's radical life taking place. Trees, it says. It's, the scriptures go into detail about trees that are blooming. It says actually this place used to be salt water, but now the the life that is flowing in, the river that's flowing into it is fresh water. There's actually, it says, an abundance of, of sea life that is taking place. And I believe what the Lord was showing me is this picture, this prophetic picture, of how God wants to take us deeper into Him, into rivers of living water. God wants to lead us downward into Him. It's interesting, the scripture says that The water, he took them downward. In order for us to go deeper and immerse ourselves in the Lord, we must allow God to take us lower and lower and lower and lower. And I believe that most of us, I know myself, there is a picture of Ezekiel in all of us, of which we stand on the banks of the river of God, the fullness of God, the the presence of God, in which he asks us to submerge ourselves in that and immerse ourselves in him. But ultimately, we look and we say, if I go in there, God, I will lose complete control over my life. You see, when I tell my kids to go to the beach, when we're there, what do I tell them? I say, stay in the shallow water because it's safe. Stay in the shallow water because you'll have control. You see, I like to do ministry and I like to do life living in ankle-deep water. I like to be ankle-deep in the presence. It's enough to see some things, but ultimately, I'm still in control over my life. And what I sense is God is asking us and taking us to say, go deeper with me. Go deeper with me. Go deeper with me. He wants to take us to a place where we stand on on the bank of that river and say, God, I'm going in. Do you know when it's hardest to swim? Always when you're coming out of the water. Do you know where it's hardest? is when you're halfway in, halfway out. And you're walking through the water, and you've got to trudge out. You see, I actually think it's actually quite hard to do ministry when we have one foot in and one foot out. We give some control to God, but ultimately we want control over our life. Do you know where it's effortless? When you finally release yourself into the depths of him, there's, there's a freedom that takes place when we release ourselves. I sense God saying, he's calling a people and raising up a people to immerse himself in him. If we would just release ourselves and jump into the river. You say, what do you mean? I might die. The Lord says, that's exactly right. I'm going to love you to death, and then I'm going to love you to life. And then, and then, you will be subject to the currents of that river. In other words... You will no longer make choices over your life. You will be subject as the Spirit, as the currents of the Spirit move you in your life. This is where God wants to lead us, to a people that are so low and so surrendered that literally as God moves us, we just go with His current wherever He takes us. And it's in that place where there is radical fruit and life that is produced. So I don't know about you, but I don't want to be ankle deep in the presence. I want to be immersed in Him. I want to be immersed in Him. Look, if we're going to see these things take place, when you're ankle deep, you can have strong convictions about the Lord. You can see things happen. Honestly, I believe, I believe, I don't know where we stand, but we're probably somewhere around there right now. And I believe the Lord's saying you're seeing things, but ultimately if you and then everyone else begins to dive in there. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but you know what God is saying. What would it would take for you? What would it look like in your life to just submit yourself completely to him? I know one thing, it would be completely rearranging our lives to prioritize him it would say god will do more when we spend time in his presence than us running around trying to accomplish anything else it's in intimacy that god begins to nourish the very seed that he put in us it's in intimacy where the grace of god strengthens us to be able to walk through anything we might endure because of the promise that we're bearing it's intimacy if you don't have it if i don't have that man it's just too much intimacy where that takes place. It's an intimacy where we understand the heart of the Father because in the preparation for the promise, God will prune. And if you don't know who he is, the imagery of God being someone who cuts off branches that are dead in your life and burn them up, you will think he's cruel. But when you know who he is in his heart, you will actually see that he sees the bigger picture. And he's so committed to taking you where where he's promised and what he's created you for. And therefore you can yield to him and say, Lord, have your way in my life. But it's in the presence as well. People of presence see the promise. It's in the presence that divine strategies are birth. And I feel like Lord said this is equally as important. Because not only is the promise supernatural that God wants to do in us, but the strategy to see it come to pass is equally supernatural. You see, we could run around crazy. We say, God said he's gonna do this, God said he's gonna do that. And we could start to run around and say, How are we gonna get there? How are we gonna make this happen? But the way to get there is ultimately it's going to be divine. You see, I I so believe that with us as a church, and that's why I'm sharing this with you. I believe that if we're going to go where God's taking us, hear me as I speak this over, it's going to require us to do things different than maybe a normal church would go through it. And we have to be willing to bear the reproach of some saying, that place is weird. (laughs) That place is bizarre. I don't understand why they do that. If you look at the scriptures, God does some bizarre things, some weird things. And we need to be willing to say, Lord, I don't care what anyone else says. I I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how foolish. I give up my reputation. I give up all of that stuff in order to see this promised birth. And the reason why that's so important is because there are so many on the other side, so many lost people that are waiting for the thing that's inside of you to be birthed in order that they would experience hope and light and freedom. And therefore, as Christ gave up his life, we say, Lord, I give up my life for you to see this thing come to pass. The visions and promises of God are not birthed and strategized in front of a whiteboard. There's a time and place for that, but they're birthed in the presence of God. If I could just share one other story really quick, and then I'll close here, from actually from Heidi Baker as well, just to see how we need to lean into what what God says in terms of strategy. She had a vision. While she's in Mozambique, Africa, she had a vision of having wells for water. And she saw a church in this vision as well. Silas. <laughs> and so she has, she has a, a vision of wells, and she has a vision of a church. And they have no clean drinking water. And so she goes ahead and she invests in these two drilling rigs. One of them, actually, the church purchase that she, saw, that she saw in the vision. But she gets these two rigs, and now she thinks, okay, we're just going to go for it. <laughs> uh, but the, the technician, the engineer, remember, they're in Southeast Africa. This is, isn't that easy. The, the technician they had is from India. His visa, they, they took it. He had to go back home. And then they had another group come in, uh, this gentleman and his family, and they sent them away as well. And so they had no one. And she's sitting there saying, I look so foolish, God. I know you gave me this vision of these, of these wells, but now we don't have anyone to operate them. In fact, they lost the keys and the things weren't even assembled. And this was like extensive work. And so for two years, like that, that's what hit me, two years, it sat. I mean, for two years, people were probably like, Heidi, you just missed this one. Like you, you just, this is, this is embarrassing. You spent all this money and these two rigs are just sitting there. And she says, one of her friends says, I found, I found an engineer that can do it. His name is David. He's from Georgia. So she says, uh, she drives over to see David and to see how things are going as he's on the rig. And she says, when he gets out. He had this accent of which I'm not going to try to do. But he basically says, hey, baby. He says, you ready to see these machines, uh, machines drill? And she's like, uh, okay, sure. She's like, yeah, that's why, that's why I'm here. And she said, you know, this is going to be a real miracle. And he said, oh, you have no idea. And uh, and then he says again, you ready to see these machines drill? And she's like, okay. And it was two days later. It was a Sunday. They were about to have church, and David came over and said, uh, I'm ready to break ground. You want me to do it right before the service, so it could be a special moment? She said, yeah. And she saw she saw the drills actually break ground. It was a beautiful moment. They all rejoiced. At that night, Sunday night, they had something called Holy Chaos, which is where they take all of the children and they bring it back to Heidi's house and they give them fried chicken and Coca-Cola. And the kids just go nuts. And she loves him. We got to do that, right? <laughs> and she invites, she invites David over. And, uh, and they're just celebrating. And David says, he goes this. He says, are you ready now to hear how this happened? <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? And she's sitting down with her husband. And David says, I've never been to college. He says, I've actually never even graduated from high school. He said, I've never drilled for water before in my life. He says, the only drilling I've ever done is on sideways sidewalks he says but all I know is that I was in the presence of God one day and he gave me a vision that one day I would drill for water well in Africa and when I got a call I just knew that God was leading me and he literally by his divine power and wisdom he showed me how to assemble them and break ground listen God's strategy is so different we have to rather than just jumping into things we have to be a people of the presence to know what he is what he is saying The last thing I promise, the last thing, I just want to hear, I want to just encourage you not to quit on your promise. Not to quit. Mary didn't just say yes when she first, when the angel first came to her. Every single day she walked around with that baby in her belly and it was showing. Every single day she had to continue to say yes. Because every single day she would continue to face rejection and opposition for what God was birthing. It wasn't just an initial yes, it was continually saying yes. And one of the things that really caught my attention just at the very end is that Mary has the song of praise known as Mary the Magnificent. It's pretty famous. It's used a lot. But in it, just to summarize it, she rejoices over the Lord and his faithfulness and how good he is, uh, his mercy throughout all the generations. And the point I want to make is that Mary, Mary was nourishing the promise with that. Mary was nourishing the promise. She was feeding the promise good food. What the Lord was saying to me is that we can have promises birth in us, but we can feed it bad food by complaining, by continuous unbelief over it, continuous doubt. We can uh, continually be critical over what's happening. And God was saying, look at Mary. She was feeding the promise by rejoicing and continually expressing gratitude over what God was doing. So, we, look, we set up every Sunday. That's small, but this is the stuff God was showing me, that we need to rejoice. We need to celebrate. We need, to, we need to embrace where he has us and where he's taking us as a body. I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward. I believe God is asking, calling us to press into, press into the promise. For some of you, that, that feeding the promise that God's put inside of you, it may, it may even require special nutrients. Sometimes a... A mother, when she's pregnant, she has to get special vitamins. And sometimes God may be doing something. For example, when I knew God was leading me to pastor, I went, in, I went to school. I knew God was saying, you're going to have to go to school for this as well. It was, I wasn't pastoring yet, but I knew that's where he's leading, And so I stepped out and did that. Right? I, I'm coming up to a semester where I had choices in classes. I felt like God, because there's going to be such a move of the Spirit here, God led me in theology courses. I could have taken any, but he led me to take one on pneumatology, on the Spirit. Those are things that you're feeding. You're feeding what God is promising. I don't know what that looks like in your life, but if God's promised you something, look for ways to feed that promise. Good food. And if you struggle, if you struggle with losing control of your life, surrendering your life to him, jumping in, immersing yourself in him to such a point that you are completely dependent upon him, may I just call you to remembrance of Jesus. And how... The king of kings came in as a baby. He literally gave up complete control over his life. He was subject and dependent to people having to care for him. What kind of king would do this? He was so, so submitted and, and let go of control of his life to such a degree that even when the father led him to the cross, he willfully said yes. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. And he's looking for a people that in response to that, Understanding the heart of God that in response to say, yes, Lord, I submit myself to you. Thank you for listening to Home Church's podcast. To go deeper into the message, text DEEPER to 66866. If you would like to give to this ministry, you can text the amount to 631-693-4176 or visit us at myhomechurch.org backslash give.